Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. I did. You saw Pan instead of Sicario? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't think I... Greg goes to me, of all people. He goes, you want to see Pan? (laughs) Are you recording? And I go, yeah. Okay, good. I go, yeah, I'll go see it. And then he's like, yeah, I'll go. So we all went and saw it. And um, so we saw Pan. Are you going to pan it? (laughs) No, I'm not. It's the second time it's been said to me today. I made that joke. <laughs> I think, I think but I'm I, glad. I think the internet, like everybody made that, like the, everybody who wrote an article about how that movie did this weekend. It's such a cheap joke. Made that joke. I love it. Was it in widescreen or was it pan and scan? <laughs> oh, ho, ho. It was a fantasy. Is it worth panning to find the gold with it? Yeah. <laughs> Does the soundtrack feature Van if Halen's I went, Panama? God, if I would have went by myself, it would have been a personal pan. Oh! <laughs> oh! Did you get lost in Pan's Labyrinth? I was, uh. Yeah, I was trying to think of one. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. We all sat pretty close together. Like are you in a state of panic, <laughs> panic <laughs> after it was over? No, during certain points, though. Uh, yeah? Mostly whenever... Well, first of all, was there any was... deadpan humor? No, no, I don't think so. Only very overt humor. <laughs> is it better than Pandorum? <laughs> was there pandemonium in the theater? <laughs> no, but I Do wish you I like had panda my, bears. I wish I had my headphones. Are we on. now facing a pandemic of pan puns? <laughs> oh my god! We should I, stop. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. The director looks like he went through his Pandora playlist and. Took a couple songs from it, as we'll get into my review. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> Sweet. How is Garrett Hedlund? Okay, Alex, as, I'm sorry. As Young Hook, right? Yeah, he's Young Hook. He, I'm sorry. He was, he's actually pretty good. I kind of enjoyed him. That's good. Um, uh, but I, this is the fourth or fifth straight time I've seen him in a movie where I had to immediately Google him after, because <laughs> I <laughs> do not know who he is. And I swear, most of the, I came out of it thinking he was Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> I was like, oh, and I went, oh, that was the first time I think I've liked Charlie Hunnam in anything. <laughs> and I didn't realize till I got home and looked at the IMDb page that it was Garrett Hedlund the whole time. But well, he's, he, um, so Pan, we're talking about Pan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Joe Wright, who I, this is the reason well, I went saw yeah, Okay, one second. Welcome to the Midwest Filmers <laughs> Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Tim. I'm Willie. Today, Tim's going to tell us about Pan. We're going to talk about uh, how we should get people back into the movie theater. Uh, we might talk about the Wolfman a little bit, and then we'll go into our <laughs> review. Of... You took that suggestion seriously, <laughs> huh? Well, Tim said he has stuff to say, so <laughs> I wanted to hear it. You can uh, always talk. There's always room to talk about Wolfman. <laughs> Then we'll get into our review of Denny Villeneuve's uh, Sicario. That's the name of the film. Feedback at MidwestFilmers.com is where you can talk to us about the show. Blah, 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 blah. Tim, how's Pan? <laughs> so, Pan. Okay. Uh, directed by Joe Wright. Yes. Who I like a lot. Um, uh, director of... Atonement. Good. Um, his Anna Karenina, very good. I don't know if anybody saw it. Really, really good. Um, Hannah, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um 
haven't seen. I, I was going over this with Willie. I think I've seen his Pride and Prejudice, but I couldn't tell you because it, like, there are so many of that. Yeah. And then he did the soloist, which is not very good. But I, for the most part, he's got a nice hit rate with me. Okay. Um, and I think he's got a nice. And I like the trailer. I said, "Wow, that's a yeah. pretty looking movie," yep. and, it, and it is. It's a very pretty looking movie. So that's why I won't pan it because when I was sitting in a theater, I'm like, "Wow, this is very nice to look at." Okay. It starts off pretty good. I'll say that it starts off in the orphanage. It's like a Peter Pan origin story because people are clamoring. We need that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where's my Batman Begins for Peter Pan? <laughs> Somebody unanswered questions. Um, so it starts in the orphanage. Pan's got a little buddy, and they're running around the orphanage, just being kind of rascals. And the nun, there's a mean old nun, and she's a witch, and just out of nowhere, a pirate ship comes in. Captained by one Mr. Hugh Jackman as Blackbeard. <laughs> now, Hugh in this movie, the reason the f- the first act is the best is this is because Hugh's in most of it. Okay. So he whisks them away to Neverland, or whatever they want to call it at this point. I, I guess it's still Neverland. I don't know. Yeah. Gotham. Um, and they, <laughs> <laughs> and he, he runs some sort of mining operation. Blackbeard runs some sort of mining operation with slaves, which is what Captain Hook is in this, James Hook. Uh, James Hook is played by Garrett Hedlund. He's kind of like an Indiana Jones type. <laughs> nice. So he runs a mining operation. This leads to my favorite part in the movie. They uh, all start singing and like humming along and pounding along to Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I swear, this is... <laughs> is, that, is that like the first inclination of of source music-ish? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it smells like Team Spirit. And Hugh Jackman comes out belting out the chorus <laughs> at one point. And I'm like, this is... Oh, I did, this is great. <laughs> More of this. Because, like, two minutes after, they go into Blitzkrieg Blitz Bop by the Ramones. And I'm like, is this where we're going? Like, did I sign up for this? I'm excited about it. <laughs> so that happens. Um, Blackbeard... Kicks Peter Pan off a ledge. Like, he's he murders a kid right before Pan. Um, I'm spoiling this whole movie, by the way. He he murders the kid before Pan. He makes him walk the plank because they've been rebelling. Okay. And then he kicks Pan into this uh, into this pit. But Pan stops himself because he, he, like, concentrates enough to where he can fly now. Mm. He's beginning to uh, realize Manifest his powers. His, his powers. That's and that's the best part of the movie. So okay. and so so far it sounds pretty. The second act of the movie, which I checked my watch, is fifteen hours long. <laughs> it's Peter Pan the whole time. Um, Hooks like you, you got to fly. Tiger Lily shows up, played by Rooney Mara, and which is a source of controversy because <laughs> yeah, Tiger apparently. Lily is a Native American, and she's not. Rooney Mara's not. Um, you can look up a picture if you want to. Moon blood, good or bust. <laughs> so. So he goes. So I don't know. It's a fantastical world. Yes, it's it's Native Americans. I don't know why people need to get upset about it. Yeah. Like, is where are they getting Tiger Lily? Was Tiger Lily's national? Does it say parentheses Native American in the source? I I don't. I think the idea is that they've whitewashed her in some way as a character. All right. Yeah. Much like like it's Cameron Crowe, and what's his name? Emma Stone. What's her Emma Stone? They should have just. I just start casting Emma Stone. <laughs> so anyway, they he meets Tiger Lily, um, and then there's a part when he meets them, 
where they start pounding along and singing kind of again. They're humming, but they don't sing any music songs, like any like jukebox musicals. <laughs> and I'm like, well, then, what was the point of putting those two songs? Like, I assumed we were going to be doing this yeah. throughout the film, but it does not appear anymore in the film. Does so happen again? No! <laughs> and so Willie and I were talking, we were like, this had to be something like Joe Wright was like... I want to do this throughout the film, and the studio's like, no, no. you're not doing that You anymore. get two songs in the first 20 minutes. <laughs> so They ran out of budget after licensing those two, those two songs. Well, what's funny is um, the Smells Like Teen Spirit sounds exactly like the composition they used in Moulin Rouge. So it's like he's putting that version of Smells Like Teen Spirit in his own movie. <laughs> it's so weird. But the whole second act of this movie is Peter... Pan like hooks like you you can fly or you can do it. Tiger Lily's like you can do it. You can fly. And he's like I'm not the chosen one. I can't fly. <laughs> it's like fucking Green Lantern all over again, where Green Lantern just sits in his apartment for two hours. Except it's Peter Pan crying about how he can't fly for the entire hour middle of this movie, and you're just sitting here going like, we get it. You can't fly. You miss your mom. He misses his mom in this too. Um, because she was part fairy, or no, she married a fairy prince, and they had they had, they had sex, and they created Peter Pan, and, <laughs> but she sent him off to the other world to live so he could be safe until he was ready to come back, and it, it's all his destiny, which is the stupidest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I need so, my war horse. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I need my war horse. <laughs> there it is. That was, that was all of War Horse, by the way. You don't need to watch it anymore. It was just some guy going, I love my war horse. <laughs> Um, so the, so that goes on hook for some reason, they keep calling him a coward, even though I don't think he's much of a coward throughout this movie and he's never a bad guy either. He never turns into captain hook. And at the end, I'll just spoil the end right now. Cause I'm on it. Then he goes, pan and him are driving off in their ship together and pan goes, so we're going to go across the world together, huh? And Hook goes, what could possibly go wrong, kid? <laughs> and then it ends. Like, that was stupid. <laughs> so it perks up a little in the last 10 or 15 minutes. There's a Tinkerbell shows up. There's some fairy things happening. Like, fairies show up. They attack Blackbeard. Hugh Jackman has got it turned up to, like, 45 out of 10 in this. <laughs> he, he's, he's wearing a terrible wig, which they build into the plot because he's like aging and he needs the he's the fairy dust or whatever that they're protecting to keep himself younger so he wears this really terrible wig but for the first 15 minutes you're like that's a horrible wig <laughs> they have not explained that yet and he wears mc hammer pants the entire time which is really fun um that is really about it there's a couple fun fight scenes there's a couple fun action scenes but i was a little disappointed because hannah's got some awesome stuff in it mm-hmm. it just it's the worst. It's worse than the soloist. It's the worst movie I've seen of his. Um, I still think I had more fun with it than I didn't because it, it is really pretty to look at. I did like the first part of it and the second. It. I don't. I wouldn't recommend seeing it though. <laughs> it's just it, it's Peter Pan's a weird story because the original is told from the perspective of Wendy. Yeah, and that's kind of how the story goes. This starts out being told from the perspective of Pan and then switches to Captain Hook in the middle because I think it almost seems like the movie is bored with Pan. And I kind of get it because I, I'm not sure if Pan was ever meant to be the lead character in these movies. Yeah. So it's a it's an odd duck. Um, I can see why it bombed. I wish it would have went full in. Um, this isn't Hugh Jackman's performance. I want to put this out there. Saves the movie at times. 
It's not as good as Eddie Redmayne's for performance of the year, <laughs> but it's a nice try, and I liked him in it. it I wish is it a Langella? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what he's going for. Good. Yep. Wow. Well, is, I, have we ever gone over Hook? Does anybody here not like Hook? I love Hook. I'm okay with Hook. Oh, Hook's... It's all right. I don't watch it much. Okay. Um, Alex? I love Hook. All okay. Right. I, it, it was always... But I, I've recently learned that there are people that don't like Hook. Yeah, there are... There it's are a, some people that actively hate Hook. Yeah, it's a generational thing, I think. Uh, it's I'm, interesting because like, when you just said that, I think the middle of Hook is so boring. It, I think yeah, the second act of, of Hook is excruciating. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat on and that. That's weird. where I, as I've grown up, I've kind of, I haven't. It's been a long time mm-hmm. since I've watched it. And as like I was sitting here thinking about it as you were talking, and I was like, Feel like maybe it's boring in the middle, but I don't remember. So they both I, have similarities in the middle too. The, well, the second half it's really stage bound. Hook yeah. in the second act, like it, it's just it looks like it takes place on a thousand. They barely move. Yeah. So yeah. In the middle is Robin Williams going, "I can't fly." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a thing. I don't know. I'm not well versed. The beginning of Hook is so amazing, though. The yeah. first act is just phenomenal, and so it's maybe that's part of it too. Is it's so good that when the middle sags a little, it seems. To sag more than it does. Uh, yeah. I don't know what Pan's excuse is. Rufio's baller <laughs> as hell, though. Rufio. Well, but, there's Tim's review of, of Pan. But it, those is other, Rufio and Pan? Uh, no. No. Those other three movies that I mentioned that I have Same seen guy. by Joe Wright, you should watch if you haven't seen them. Yeah. Great. I I've, I think the only one I've seen is Hannah, and it's yeah. awesome. And it's yeah. very good. Yeah. But, all right. Well, thank you, Tim. No problem. Is the Channing Tatum Pan movie still happening? I don't know. Is that a thing? Dude, P- that- Peter Pan was his passion project. He wanted to play Peter Pan more than like anything. Honestly, like a jacked Peter Pan. <laughs> Still weirdly grown up. Punching dudes in the face. I feel like Chan Chan should be Shazam. Shazam? Yeah. Chan Chan versus The Rock. I think he's got the childlike uh, zeal of, of Shazam. <laughs> oh, for some reason I thought I thought of Kazam. That's what I thought. <laughs> no. I was like, interesting, reboot. <laughs> Everybody keeps Speaking talking. Speaking of whitewashing... <laughs> Everybody keeps talking about um, doing Space Jam with LeBron. I say do Kazam with LeBron, yeah. like a Kazam remake with LeBron. Yeah. That's where it's at. Do them all. Yeah, it's, I think we need to get the Kazam story right. Yeah, <laughs> it deserves it. Yeah, it does. And, and Steel. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Everybody forgets Steel was like a comic movie. I know. A, a Superman movie, movie technically. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I don't know. Who was in Steel? Was Carl Weathers in Steel? Uh, I don't know, actually. I've never seen it. It's not good. I know that. No. I, I've never seen it. <laughs> I've but. seen it. It was on like HBO. Yeah. Kazam's pretty sweet though. <laughs> what was his game? His video game called? Shaq Fu. Shaq, Shaq, Fu. Fu. Shaq Fu. Yeah. They were talking about doing a, awesome. a, a remake for a while there of Shaq Fu. <laughs> Next gen. I thought they did a like a mobile game. Maybe. I'm, I'm down. I like Shaq Fu. It's awful, wow. but I liked it. He is not in it. Richard Roundtree. Richard Roundtree. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and Judd Nelson, yeah. whose Google picture is fantastic, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very yeah. good. I, I, you know, another another pair of actors I get mixed up: Judd Nelson and Fisher Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> what? Look at that picture, and let me pull up a picture of Fisher Stevens. Because I mean, I, no, I'm not going to see it. Alex. Judd Nelson. He looks like he looks like the lead singer of the Counting Crows in this picture, not Fisher Stevens. What picture of Fisher Stevens do you have? Yeah, I'm curious. Know. I mean, like, I can see a little okay. bit, right? <laughs> I'm not insane, guys, for the most part. Hey, you remember when we went to a house party once and we saw the lead singer of the Counting Crows at the house party? Yes, yes, I, cool. I do. Yeah. It was pretty fantastic. Sweet. But Maybe it was Judd Nelson. <laughs> Maybe, that's Maybe why it he, was Fisher Stevens. <laughs> Maybe that's why he looked upset when I called him the lead singer of the Counting Crows. 
I don't know. Anyway. Did you call him that? Oh, God, I know. I Every know. time I think of Fisher Stevens, I think of his character from Short Circuit. Yeah. So, like, I think, mm. like, he's... Johnny Five. <laughs> we got to get Johnny Five now. We must get him. What are you doing, Johnny Five? Fisher Stevens he's so bad. is the one... Is he in Super Mario Brothers? Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Sure great. is. Okay. He's really, really good. Yeah. He's not in Airheads. Okay, <laughs> that's never, Judd Nelson. I've never, seen, I've never seen Airheads. Judd Nelson's Whoa. in the, bre- the Breakfast Club. Yes, that's right. Yeah, okay. that would be him. And Sam I can keep fire. them straight, but for some reason, the my, your they mind. occupy the same. It's not like Swayze and Russell. That one I, cracks me. That up. one's just fully merged. Oh, that's a lot of man. I, yeah, so, Kurt Russell and Patrick Swayze. Yeah, yeah. He, he gets really. In it, yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't know. They're the same. Per- <laughs> <laughs> the same person to me. Sometimes I'd sit down and be like, "Yes, yeah, Swayze, the one that died." <laughs> Yes, you're correct. <laughs> he is not in Hateful Eight. I, I apparently have a lot of wires crossed in my brain. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. Is that common law married to Goldie Hawn? Yes. Patrick correct. Swayze is not. Yes. Gojo routinely gets uh, Nick Nolte and Gary Busey mixed up. It's pretty funny. I'm, I mean, well, they're uh, both crazy old dudes at this point. There's an internet theory, and there's like documentation about it that they're the same person. Have you guys heard about this? No. Because they've never been pictured together once. <laughs> and they've both been at award shows at the same time, but never actually been seen together. <laughs> so there's a, there's <laughs> there's articles written about how Gary Boosie and Nick Nolte are the same person. So Nolte got hit by the gamma radiation on the set of the Hulk. He transforms. He transforms into, into Busey. Busey. Yeah. When, when Busey was in his motorcycle accident, he's able to rearrange his face yeah. <laughs> into Nolte. Busey's his <laughs> final up his form. Hair a little bit. Yeah, Busey's his final form when, he, when he's ready to... Shift over. Oh, man. That's awesome. Nick Nolte does the classy projects. Gary Busey does the kind of shit work. He does the reality show. And, yeah. he, and he, does, he, he can do commercials. Nolte can't do that. He's too up here. Uh, it's true. His, I'm telling you. His Amazon commercials are really funny. <laughs> do you remember the show I'm with Busey? Yeah. I do. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what's up. It's a VH1 show, isn't it? Yeah. I think oh, absolutely. Could you imagine the pitch? We get Busey and a straight man and just see what happens. <laughs> Who was the straight man? Uh, he was like he was like an unknown comedian. Just some guy. Oh, he was yeah. just yeah. He was like an unknown. It was stand-up. probably his idea. Yeah, mm. and mm. it was pretty good. Was, was, they would good. always go out and BQC would start some sort of fire and start chanting. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed to be that seemed to occur in every so episode. And like break theme. break something and run around. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Pretty yeah. cool. I'd hang out with him. I'm, yeah. Or I Nick mean, Nolte, if given the opportunity with a bunch of cameras, I think. Get paid how, how, how would you not put that on TV, you know? Busey occasionally does uh, cons, I think, too, which is kind of... Uh, I'd like to meet oh, him. Boy. What does he do them for? I don't to know. Because he's stuff for Gary Busey. <laughs> I, uh, lethal uh, Weapon. Rookie of the know. Year. Yeah. <laughs> Silver Bullet. I don't know. I'm with Busey. He's done <laughs> things. Yeah, all the I'm with Busey fans really come So you drugs. can take a picture and there's like, you get a frame that says, I'm with Busey. <laughs> He's wearing a t-shirt, or you yeah. get to wear a t-shirt. Yeah, that says "I'm with you." See, and Pointy. you get to take a picture with yes. him. Yeah, all right, like guys. All right, I'm this is our idea for a show. I'll pay for it. <laughs> okay, next on the docket, I wanted to talk about. Uh, I saw this article on the Guardian with the title "Cinemas Must Drastically Improve or Lose Audiences," says Christopher Nolan. Um, I think some of his arguments might not necessarily be true. He's of the mind that because we're no longer projecting film. That people don't care to come see it anymore. Which I think there's some truth behind that. But I wanted to talk to you guys about what you feel 
needs to happen in movies in order to get people to go to the theater again. Because ticket sales... While, people, while movies are making more money than they ever have before, ticket prices are also higher than they ever have before. And actual ticket sales, the number of tickets sold, is dropping still. Mm. So what do we think needs to happen? I mean, I kind of have my ideas. I, I feel as though it's no longer... Because of the development of home theater technology, I feel like we're we're not as fun. The experiences aren't as far removed. I think we, as people, I at least as a person, I think I still think there's worth in going to a theater. It looks way better and sounds way better than anything I have. But there are people that are richer than me or craftier than me that have better home theater systems that don't have that much of a difference. So I feel like. From a technological standpoint, doing the things like filming an IMAX and and all of that stuff is what brings, like, absolutely brings me to theater. But I think it's something that could bring more people to theater. I don't know if 3D is really the thing anymore. But what do you guys think? Does anybody have any ideas? I think a big part of why it, the ticket sales are kind of dying out is because there's such a short turnaround between theater and home video now, too. Yeah, it's like a couple months nowadays. It's... And I mean, people are, I mean, a lot of people are streaming or are doing on demand and it's on on demand like two months after the, after it's in theater. Sometimes, sometimes they're coming out like a month after. I mean, why would, a lot of people don't like sitting in a theater. <laughs> like, I mean, a lot of people don't like the experience. They like watching a movie. So, so, but what do you think we would need to do to get, what are they, what do you, what do you think people don't like about the theater? I think they don't like being around other people. I think they, I think, the, I don't know. Think about how many potential annoyances there are there got to find a place to park in certain circumstances sometimes you got to pay to park if you live where we do (laughs) um you have to hope that you aren't going to have crying babies or assholes talking through the whole movie or drunken buffoons you have to hope that you're going to get a seat you have to hope it's going to be a decent seat um you have to pick and choose do i want a 3d show or this show or should i go this time or it just i don't know I, i don't like going to the theater anymore I really don't. If I could watch every movie that we review on here from home and pay the full theater price to watch it at home, I'd watch it at home. I would never go to the theater again. I'm, I'm just being honest. I, I have no desire to do it. So you this is horrible coming from a person. I love watching movies. I do not like going to the theater anymore. So are you saying there's nothing that they could do to get you back in the theater? Make it cheaper? <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm, I probably sound ridiculous right now, but I don't... It, Adding restaurants and decent food and beer to a theater does nothing for me. And I don't think it's going to do a thing, anything for most people. Because, quite frankly, when I, I think when most people go see a movie, they just want to go see a movie. I don't think they want to... Who, who shows up and is like, let's get dinner before we go see the movie? I think some of that argument is like, the we're getting a babysitter anyway. Like, let's, let's make a night out of it. But... Yeah. I still wouldn't be like, let's go to the. There's shitty, dozens of good restaurants. Let's go to the that shitty restaurant in the theater. Yeah. that's super expensive. Rather than go somewhere else. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's. I don't know. It's it's tough because it. Give me an experience. I don't know. Make make going to the theater a fun experience again. It's not like you know you know the most fun thing I do at the theater now what? is clapping along to the MJR song. <laughs> that's the most fun I have. I mean, at being in a theater. Um, I don't know. There's no some more clapping, more prompted clapping. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. More more organized dance and <laughs> Did music. You hear that, Christopher Nolan? Yeah. <laughs> more prompted. Insert clapping. clapping in your films, please. 
then I'll go see them. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with the movies. I love going and seeing movies. I just don't like the experience. I don't know. I never and I never understood that. My mom hates theaters. Hmm. She's seen three movies since I was alive <laughs> in the theater. <laughs> what are they? Well, yeah, please. <laughs> um, the Crow, The Land Before Time. <laughs> okay. First, I think that was the first movie I ever saw. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean one. Okay, the so, ring. A, so a seventeen year the, the ring. Oh, and one more. Alice in Wonderland, Tim Burton. Four movies since one I've... of those movies is a little different than the other three. Yeah, one of them sticks out. Wait, which one? The, the ring. <laughs> the Alice in Wonderland, because it's not very good. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> that was the one where she's like, damn. The other, the other three. Three out of four ain't bad. <laughs> That's and, what she seemed to have stopped. It used to be. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, she's done now. Thanks, Tim Burton. You're killing movie goers. Apparently, the really bad one was Land Before Time because she stopped for years <laughs> until The Ring came out. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So I used to never understand that. I'd be like, Mom, are you coming with us? She's like, no, I'm not going to the theater. Screw that. It's horrible. It's awful. I'm cold. There's people everywhere. Food's expensive. Food's expensive. I'm going to trip over my feet when I'm trying to get out of the theater. I'm done. No, thanks. It's loud. And and I never got that. I'm I'm... I, I don't I'm starting to get it <laughs> I'm starting to understand it. so what can you do I don't know IMAX the IMAX format is a draw for me absolutely that's something that you cannot replicate and you never be able to replicate that theater experience I'm not saying I can go home and replicate the experience of a normal theater yeah but a normal theater is not that special anyway like reclining seats, not a draw for me. I feel like they're going for all these kitschy things, and it's just like making me feel they like they try to bring the living room to the theater. My kind of. If my dad listens to this episode. He's gonna want to punch you. <laughs> because, Is he? Yeah. Uh, just because. No, nah, he's not gonna want to punch you. <laughs> I know. I don't. I, I get it. It's just uh, there is still a draw to going to a nice theater if you don't have a nice theater, and I think. In a big city, we have a couple pretty nice theaters mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, there are people that don't live in metropolitan areas that have shitty theaters. And I think that's might have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents live in northern Michigan. They won't go see a movie. My parents love to go see movies. They, they make an excuse to come down and see me so they can go to a theater. Around <laughs> <here. So laughs> they love to go see the movies. It is kind of a night out. They always get dinner beforehand. Yeah. And yep. um, it is kind of a night out. But... The theater where they live and any theater in the surrounding area is terrible. I mean, it's just not worth going out to do. So I think that has something to do with it. Um, it's an accessibility thing. Yeah, yeah. No, and I get that. I mean, I, I'd probably be the same way if yeah. I couldn't go one direction or the other and find a theater. You know what I mean? Right. And it's... I think there are a lot of places around the United States that are probably a lot like that. Um, I also think, and Willie does it can be i've had pretty decent experiences lately i'd still like going to the movies um it is it can be kind of a pain to get out and go but that's just being lazy <laughs> i'm i'm not <laughs> yeah. i like the idea um what did he really what did he say well a lot of it he he basically just said we need to make it something that's worth people worth coming people- out to and and not only that, but he's also like they keep saying that film is too expensive and they switch to digital, but yet prices are still rising. And it's kind of he's Even saying the, there's no like that's a disconnect, like a fun, like a, a cognitive disconnect. And like, why would you bother changing if we're not seeing any reduction in price? Right. And 
That's not really. You know. I guess that's not really my area I of think, expertise. I know, like when I go see a midnight movie, I prefer. Like I used to love when it would be an old film. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I think it kind of depends on where you're going. So I, I guess I can see that. I, that's not. I like because I read today Tarantino is taking um, hopefully on like a road show mm. all around, and he's actually paying to have certain theaters install um, whatever he shoots. Seventy, 70 millimeter, millimeter projectors. Yeah. Yep, and. And I kind of, I even kind of like when um, Kevin Smith went around and did his road show. Red State. Red State. Like, I think that's a neat idea. It's also really expensive. Um, But I think that's kind of a cool idea. And Tarantino was going to put, he's going to put 12 extra minutes on the movie um, for the people that go to the road show. See, that's cool. And then he's going to, he's going to do it like an old time movie and he's going to have an intermission in between. Um, That's awesome. Which I think is really kind of a neat and it's kind of a thing to get people to come out it's a gimmick, I guess, but isn't that kind of always, I mean, even when you look back at the fifties people were trying to get people in with, um, like things grabbing you under the seat and like spooked her vision and stuff. Like there was always 3d, been kind of, the original 3d craze. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, there is a certain amount of price, the current 3d craze. <laughs> there's a certain amount of hucksterism to promoting a movie and trying to make money off. Movie. I mean, cause at the end of the day, that's what these people are trying to do is make money. So yeah. I think maybe there needs to be a little bit more of that. Um, yeah, I think they got to get out of the get out of the. Let's make more money by raising the prices and and get into the let's make more money by getting more people to come. Yeah, there. Need, I guess there maybe needs to be a little bit more, uh, maybe different level of engagement. Yeah. Um, I would say, but I don't know the, the film thing. I that's. Yeah, I think I think his I think he's got some personal motivations I was gonna behind say, those comments. I would lo- I would I would go see I would, if I had the chance choice between seeing like his movie or a Tarantino movie on digital or film, I'd rather see him on film. Totally. But there are certain movies I go and see like I You're don't like who cares. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Insidious three. Oh, I can't <laughs> believe I missed out on that film experience. But, <laughs> I mean, I, it's not. I I get where he's coming from. Yeah. I kind of agree with him. I will say the vintage movie, like not vintage, older movies thing is a draw for me. That yeah. is one thing. Like occasionally, like like they're doing a Ghostbusters thing at a theater near us, and the Ernie Hudson being in attendance thing is awesome. It doesn't matter yeah. to me. It's it just hopefully it's an actual fit like film copy of it you know what i yeah. mean that would get me drawn i'd be like i i never got to see ghostbusters i wasn't alive when it first came out so this is a chance for me to do it i would that's love, a draw i would love a little more transparency on it too like a lot of the times i don't end up going to the midnight movie because i'm like well this might just be one where they're playing a dvd like if they had it this one's film this is dvd they need to be upfront about it I yeah think. yeah nick what do you think uh, i love going to the movies i will never yeah. not go to the movies um, and I'm not sure where it came from because neither of my parents is particularly keen on going to the theater, but, um, I'm a huge proponent of going, get your ass out of the house and go to the damn movies. Um, <laughs> like Tim said, if you're not, if you're not going, cause you're like, Oh, it's hard to make time. It's life. People are busy. Go to the movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tim. <clears throat> and, well, I, I went to pan. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You're fighting the good fight. Um, I, I think, People are so antisocial these days, more than I think they ever have been in the history of man. And I think that that is a very, a very solid reason. Like Willie said, people don't want to be around people. Yeah, people don't want to be around people at all anymore <laughs> if they can avoid it. And I, I don't like flock to be surrounded by people. I'm not like hell yeah, put me in a crowd. But I love going to the movies for being around the people because I like. Movies are, are are such a social experience, and I think that they're they're wonderful because they can impact you very personally, and yet they can impact all the people around you. And I love seeing people react in movies. I love hearing people react. Like I've seen so many comedies in theater 
in theaters that the experience would not have been nearly as good if I wasn't in a room full of people laughing at this movie. I will, and this is so dumb, but I will never forget going to see Dodgeball in theaters yeah. <laughs> because the place was in tears. I mean, I missed half the jokes because the place was in stitches. And that was so much fun. And I will always, that was 10 years ago. And I still remember that experience. I still remember when Chuck Norris jokes were born, when he showed up in that movie and gave that thumbs up and the whole place just lost their shit. <laughs> it was amazing. It was like being at like a World Series game and watching someone hit a grand slam. Like that was a, that was a very intimate experience. And yet I shared it with a room full of people that I'll never see again. And I think that's awesome. That's magical. And that's just a stupid movie. Think of all the good movies I've seen <laughs> where you, you leave the theater and you see you hear the people chit-chatting and you see like the looks on people's faces and you hear them walk by and go, how cool was that part? And like you see little kids like, whoa, I want to be Captain America. And like, that's so cool. If I'm sitting in my damn underwear with a bag of Cheetos at home, I'm not going to get that experience. I won't be able to have that story. I won't be able to share in that. So I wish people wanted to be around people again. And remember why going to the movies with other people is fun and cool. And a big part of it is that people are people are people are fucking rude. People light up their phones. Yeah. People talk. People kick people's seats. We had that experience this week. Chew food really loudly. <laughs> yeah, in the same theater, I will be. When I was a kid, I'd go to the theater and you would you'd sit down with maybe some candy. And you'd watch the movie. And now I got Homeboy updating Facebook. I got these two people talking about this. And I got someone eating like a large pizza. And so I'm <laughs> smelling pizza and watching Sicario. This isn't how this is supposed to happen. <laughs> I shouldn't be watching this amazing tale of Interstellar and then seeing someone with like a giant carnival pretzel. Like that, that to me, those are distractions. <laughs> Have those things at the theater. Eat them beforehand. Eat them after. And like I said, you got me. You got my money. I'm still going to go to the theater forever. But... A couple things that I think might lure people in a little bit more. I like the idea of the restaurants and I like the idea of that kind of stuff being there because like you said, like everybody said, like make a night of it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But if, if, if there was a cool, like if, if I could take my movie ticket after a movie and go to the bar and get a beer for like a dollar 50 or something with my movie ticket after the show, that would be a huge incentive, I think, for people to be like, because then I can hang out after the movie and I can talk about it. And, and this will encourage me to be social and buy a drink. And then, you, man, you know, once I buy one drink, I'm probably going to buy another one. And we're probably going to buy some nachos or something. But like Willie said, make it cheaper. It is so expensive to go to the movies. Yeah. If I, I mean, I'm one guy. I'm a single guy. If I go to the movies, it's 10 bucks out of my pocket, whatever. If I, if I was married and had like two kids <laughs> and they all want popcorn and they all, I'm in 100 bucks mm -hmm. for two hours. <laughs> That's not good at all. It's insane. I don't know how families like, can do that. Yeah, and I like the idea of the added value too of like getting like a beer after the show or like yeah. some, something tacked on that's honestly not that expensive. Like a beer shouldn't be five dollars. I mean, everybody kind of knows that. But, no. Yeah. yeah. Or so, or like, and, and I like kind of how some of these theaters are getting into like passes and programs of like yeah. your parking's free if you're a member. Uh, and we we have two really nice movie theaters by us. The MJ shout out to the MJR on Maple and the Imagine and Royal Oak for the most part. They, <laughs> they, the theaters are nice. They have attendants that will shush people and like make sure people are in their right seats. Yep. And they were really strict about it when that theater first opened. And it was amazing. Yeah, it was. I was like, I feel like I'm in a casino. Like, and there's security watching me. It was great. Yeah, I kind of wish I would. <laughs> What's that? I wish it would go back to that. Sometimes. Yeah, and I think they just got too busy. Like that theater exploded. Oh, yeah, the, They're so busy. And I understand yeah. that. Yeah. 
And it's inevitably a little bit hard, but I mean, that's why we need, we need good citizens like Willie that are going to tell people to, to cram it during a movie and stop talking. <laughs> I, and I take vigilante justice. When <laughs> exactly. The, when the, no the, punisher of, the punisher of the film. film I, world. I will shush So them. something that recently happened, the, as we know, I think we commented that the Palladium went away. It's mm-hmm. now back. It's the Imagine Palladium. Yes, and they have a $350 membership program or something, but they apparently there was a screening of The Intern, the... Robert De Niro, uh, mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway movie, and there were half dozen teens that annoyed the other moviegoers. So now, from now on, unless you are, uh, unless you're a member, so you've paid the three hundred fifty dollars, uh, three hundred fifty dollars, or you're g- accompanied by an adult and you're a teen, you cannot attend the movies there. Good. As a teen, you cannot attend <laughs> okay. the movie. Sorry. Okay, no, please go. As a 31-year-old man, a part of me likes that. Yeah. Because, ugh, get, but I'm down. My one of my favorite, I think I mentioned this on the podcast, one of my favorite movie-going experiences this year was going to see Insidious 3 and sitting next to like three, two or three like high school girls screaming their heads <laughs> off during it. Like it was awesome. And I thought, that, and I remember when I was younger going to the movies by myself, um, I think I'd have a note for some movies, but I remember that and like uh, part of me gets it. Because it's a, it's a generational thing. People are more yeah. inclined to screw around on their phones. And it, it's always probably kind of been like that, too. Because um, I'm sure I wasn't the most well-behaved kid in a theater. But part of me uh, wouldn't want to rob someone of that experience or the experience that I had enjoying going to the movies. So, And I don't, for certain movies, I don't mind it that much. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong. I, I, my thing is I... No, I get it. I've been the pl- it's, it, no, I'm telling you, it's the it's that particular theater. There's something about that theater. The Palladium. There, I'm that. What I mean, I stopped going. It was Built on cursed it, ground. It did not matter what movie you saw, what time you saw it. There was a, at least a pack of ten, ten kids high school kids who want to do something, and they're like, "Oh, let's go." Having full on conversations through yeah. the entire movie. I mean, I remember going and seeing the last movie I saw. There was Mama that. Yeah. Uh, Del Toro one, and it would have been fine if they were screaming because that is fun. Like it's part of the I don't right. know, it's great. But they were literally like on their phones, like talking on their phones during the movie, and, and I was like, I also don't think that problem is exclusively teens either. No, like, it's, it's not. It's, there's no. The people I yelled people at were grown adults, older or older than me. But actually, old people are bad because they don't silence their phones. Yeah, <laughs> their phone goes off, and of course the volume is maxed because they can't hear anything, and so they, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep, that uh, the, the original ringtone. Yeah, uh, yeah, that theater. You know what? I, I like it though because yeah, like Tim said, we're getting to the point where we're all around thirty ish, and I think we're now on the other side of the fence where we're like, "Damn, kids, yeah. <laughs> stow it, get off my lawn." I, yeah, I like the idea of having a theater for grownups though, where kids aren't allowed to to run. Around. I think we just need an Alamo draft house where they will actively throw you out if you pull out your phone or are talking. Yeah, just get the hell out of the theater. Yeah, because I mean, what? Listen, if you want, if you want to talk to your friends, if you want to, so it's America. Do what you want. Go to want. Star John R. Yeah, no, go go to <laughs> Starbucks. How about that? Like, what are you in a movie theater for? You yeah. paid ten American dollars to get in here. That's a lot of money, man. Yeah. Or to sit in a chair and talk to somebody. What? Do you have that much money where you're just gonna go? Eh, that's where I'm gonna sit. That's it's unreal. That's a, and the thing too is like you if you get the gusto and you get annoyed enough to shush somebody or tell them to shut up. Yeah. Then you sit there the entire movie wondering, is this bro going to walk up to me and like punch me in the back of the head? You know, after this or movie's over. No, I s- no, I mean, I'm sure. sorry, but it's a thought that runs through your head. Like, yeah. what if I piss this dude off enough to like beat the shit out of me in the parking lot? 
Like, I know it's probably silly, but you've heard, I've heard of these things happening. Here? That, that exact situation happened around I'm here. I'm fairly certain that there was somebody that was got the shit kicked out of him by a group of people because they... I think there's somebody who got shot in a theater because they tried to shush someone. All right, I don't know about that one. I can't one. remember what it was, though. So, but yeah. that's, I mean, that, you know, you think about these things sometimes. So Maybe I'm being paranoid, but... I want to stick up for a video on demand real quick. <laughs> do it. Certain movies should be seen in a theater, um, obviously. But I do like, I think video, I think there are a lot of really good movies out there. Yeah. And I think video on demand is a nice avenue to get people to see those movies. And I don't, I think there are certain, especially I, I think of horror. There's a lot of good VOD horror out there that is not going to get released in a the theater and people would ignore else. Uh, you're making me come up with a very good idea, uh-huh. but I don't want to discuss it on the podcast because I want to make money off of it like a good American. <laughs> Love <laughs> you, Dad. I don't know. Because there's an article. <laughs> there's an article. It's an interview with, I want to say Kevin Smith, Danny Boyle, Quentin Tarantino. I think it's an IndieWire. And they interview him and they talk about like a lot of this kind of stuff. And Kevin Smith says, uh, Tarantino's obviously taken one side. And Smith goes, well, as long as I have it, I still have that movie in front of me, no matter what I watch it on. I get that to an extent. Um, I do like to, but I think there are certain movies. I would not have wanted to watch The Martian on my iPhone. No. Yeah. But I can never watch a movie on an iPhone. I do not understand how anybody can watch do that. I can watch a TV show. Um, you got to get one of these. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty big screen. Um, I, so I, but I have I also, a copy of Tron Legacy on everything I own. So I, but I almost. Pretty sure my toaster can play Tron Legacy. <laughs> but you, could, you can tell that someone, that's a writer talking to. Yeah, there's a different. There's a, people who like writing. Actually, Nolan. Ex- he's that's one of the things he says in that article. Is it because someone said he he fights for film and yeah. studio heads go, oh, you know, it's too expensive because film's the way it's meant. And eventually they go, doesn't storytelling trump everything? And he and his answer is amazing. He says no, because then we'd be making radio plays. It would be a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is that's an awesome thing to say. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very so true. I can I can see a little bit of both. Yeah, there there are definitely upsides to video on demand for sure. I mean, we it's nice to be able to be like, you know what, uh, I. You know, like maybe there are people who, like I said, on the other side of what I said, I'm a single guy who can leave the house whenever I want. Sometimes people, you know, they have kids, they have things to do. And if they want to watch a movie, here's what's available to me. Money is still being transacted. People are still yeah. getting paid for this service. So that that is good. There are pros to it. And and the fact that, yeah, like as Tim was saying, just the idea that there are movies there that will not get distributed but I still want to see them somehow. Yeah. That's yeah. I never had the totally. chance to see uh, it follows until it was on yeah. VOD or and I wouldn't have seen it otherwise. Or so. even like, um, premonition cop car. That wasn't in theaters. Yeah. Was it premonition? Is that what it was called? Was that the, uh, the Ethan Hawke uh, Predestination. Sandra predestination. Bullock. <laughs> Sandra Bullock Predestination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pre- predestination wasn't released around. Like there's a lot of movies that still don't, uh, we're in Detroit. Like nobody cares about us, but, you know, probably the only reason we got it follows is because dude's from Detroit and, and, it's, and it was filmed here. And that's the thing is, yeah, it follows like it's, I live in a city where I think they played it for a little bit. Yeah. It, some people don't. I mean, yeah. so. It's a shame um, because it's always one of those. You'll never know the other side of the experience because I, for example, will see, you know, I saw it follows in the theater and it was a really cool movie to see in the theater because i couldn't pause it i couldn't go anywhere i couldn't look away i was in the dark and i had to like deal with the yes, fact that it was suspenseful. that's the other great thing about the theater for me personally is when mm-hmm. i watch at home i can be you can be distracted yeah. you can get up pause it take a leak yeah. or you know the dog bothers you or you get a text and you can say oh let me answer this 
And for some movies, it doesn't really matter. But, like, you know, it follows. I had a different experience with that in the theater than I would have at home. And uh, maybe there are movies like when we watched Cop Car, I didn't like it. But maybe I would have liked it a little bit more if I had seen it in the theater. If you were, like, forced to Maybe focus. I would have had a different experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Instead of my girlfriend coming home and going, what is this movie? <laughs> this looks dumb. <laughs> and me being like, it is dumb. Want to watch it? Oh, Only God Forgives is the, is the, the case of, like, if we, if we didn't see it in theaters, we would have just been like, oh, what's And somehow I watched that. At home, <laughs> in rapture, by the entire thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should have watched it at home. We would have been more like Tim. I really need to see this because I missed that episode. And the counselor. Yeah, yeah. You won't get to see it in the theater. Yeah, it's you won't get to see Cameron Diaz racing cheetahs on the big screen like we did. It was oh, wonderful. Man. Oh boy. All right, Tim's got to leave. So he's thank an athlete. You for joining us, Tim. Uh, good luck. Thanks, Tim. And love you. We'll see Bye. you again soon. Hit somebody, Kevin Smith. <laughs> now that Tim's gone. Now that Tim has left us, it's time for us to review Denny Villeneuve's Sicario. Oh, Sicario. Uh, this film stars Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro, John Bernthal, Victor Garber, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Jeffrey Donovan, and many more people. Uh, Maximiliano Hernandez. Uh, the IMDb synopsis says, An idealistic FBI agent is enlisted by an elected government task task force to aid in the escalating war against drugs at the border area between the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, Denny Villeneuve famously directed Prisoners, which we all enjoyed very much, was mm-hmm. all of our number three. Our number three. Year, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. That so, was really good. Uh, go back and listen to that episode if you want and watch that movie for sure. He also directed Enemy between this between Sicario. And oh, I love that movie. Did you watch Enemy? Yes. Really? Okay. I love that. I movie. remember watching it. I think I caught it before you did. Yes, you did. Because I don't think anybody had seen it. And I was like, I think it was cool, but I need to like read about it. I wanted to read everything I could read about that movie. Yeah. I need to I need to watch it again and go back and do that. But Enemy is yeah. a very interesting movie. I think I figured it out, so Okay. We can talk about <laughs> yeah. it later. But uh Denny is also the Future director of the Blade Runner sequel, which is something that is close to all of our hearts. Yeah, it's um, probably the main thing that's got me excited for it. So. Yeah, so we're all we like Denny, and we're excited for his future. Um, and mm-hmm. Sicario, I feel like just kind of snuck out there. I didn't really hear much about it until it was out, pretty Mm-mm. much. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Does anybody want to start? Um, yeah, I'll start. Are you, are you cool with that, Nick? Cool, I feel like you talked last on the movie thing. The movie thing. Yeah, the movie thing. We're on a film podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that thing. <laughs> the theater thing. So maybe you should start first. Yeah. Oh, okay, I can do that. Do yeah. it. Okay with that. I uh, really liked it a lot. A lot. I think it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. Um, where to start? It's uh Willie. No. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's all I have to say about that. Um that was a quote from Forrest Gump and it ended up sounding like Bill Clinton, so whoops. Uh it's really well directed, like stupidly well directed, unusually well directed. And there's there's a lot of thought that goes into everything in the movie, I think, and what you're being told and what you're not being told and why and when you're being told it. And I don't think I can't recall a recent movie that's better put me in the perspective, in the shoes of the protagonist than this movie. 
because I am I was so lost throughout so much of this movie, and I was like I was enjoying it from the first from the very 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 first frame. It was all, it just immediately hooked to the point where I didn't hear the people talking in the theater that were bothering Willie and Nikki, <laughs> and uh, it. I couldn't in the movie in like midway through the movie, even halfway through, I was like, I couldn't tell someone right now what this movie's about. I could like kind of describe what's happening in it, but I couldn't tell you what it's about. And normally that would be a terrible, terrible thing. But in the instant, in the case of this movie, it's an awesome thing. Yeah. It's so well done and, uh, and done with such design. Uh, it's really well acted. Everybody in it is fantastic. And Benicio del Toro is probably the standout. And it's funny because he doesn't say anything. And, <laughs> He's one of those actors who is in like tons of weird, dumb, dumb roles, and he's he's always like good. He's always like, oh yeah, Benicio, good. You can count on him. He's always going to gives a solid performance. But he's capable of these like powerhouse performances, kind of like Nolte. And uh, they're he, also the same person. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's he's just incredible in this. And I read some really cool trivia about it that he that ninety percent of his dialogue was cut out of the movie. Like he was a way talky guy, and he got the script, and he's like, "This this guy wouldn't say all this shit." Yeah, and like so, he talked with the need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they went through and like and and took out ninety percent of his dialogue to make Good his choice better. Oh, amazing choice! And uh, Emily Blunt is great. Uh, Josh Brolin is just <laughs> in full on party mode this whole movie, and he's great, uh-huh. even though he's the most questionable character in the whole thing. And uh, I love Jeffrey Donovan, and when he showed up, I was I was like, yes, good. It's cool to see actors like that sneak in and sneak out. It's pretty neat. Um, Deacons, you know, just really in like probably the prime of his career. He's just really good right now. And uh, there there are some shots I'll have to talk about more in spoilers that are just so super duper cool. Mm. And he he does. You know, I think when when people talk about cinematographers, they always talk about the use of light, which, duh. Like, that's kind of what people go for first. Totally understandable. But he is so good with with just his his composition alone. It doesn't even need to be anything too dynamic about the light, but what you're seeing and how you're seeing it is really cool. And his his vehicular style of shooting is really strong. Really, really, really strong. And it's it's funny to think a guy who kind of made his name on, like, Coen Brothers Fair... Um, can can shoot like these like suspense action sequences driving through streets and it's just so effective and it feels different than anything you've ever seen before. Um, <clears throat> just really well done. And uh, the th- the themes in it are really good and really scary and it's uh, it's one of the best horror movies I think I've seen this year. It's uh, it's phenomenal. I think it, the ninety three percent it has on Rotten Tomatoes is probably too low. It's very good. All right. Willie, what did you think of Sicario? Everything Nick said. <laughs> for, for real, though. Um, no, That's one thing I want to say. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cherry pick a few things here. Uh, Emily Jimmy. Blunt. This is like the third in a series of three performances I've seen her in that are like the best strong female performances I've seen in movies in years. So way to go, Emily Blunt. Looper would be the first. Mm. Wasn't nuts about Looper as a movie the whole way through, but she was a fantastic female character. Um, and then Edge of Tomorrow, and then this. Yep. Um, all different. Yeah. But all strong female characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she runs the gamut through the, between those three movies, and she knocks them all out. Um, everybody else is awesome. <laughs> Super awesome. One person that Nick didn't mention, Maximiliano Hernandez. I always like seeing him in movies. He always brings a smile to my face. Like he, I just like him. Really, like, I, I hate like, that guy. I don't do know really? why. Yeah. I don't know. I always, I, like I always him. like seeing him. I don't know. He's always. I was like, yeah, I liked him. He's cool. <laughs> he's he's know. good. 
He is good. Yeah, he's he's just I, I like I like seeing him pop up in all these very different projects and kind of smaller roles and yeah. He did the Marvel movies and stuff for a while there. And you know yeah. what? Uh, remind me because you're good at reminding me of things, Alex. Uh, to talk about something about the action in this movie that ties into what Nolan is saying about theaters. Mm. Okay. In case I forget, which yep. I probably will. Um, not that he's not his own guy because Denny has a very distinct style, and all three of his movies you can tell are his movies. But he's doing um, he's doing vintage. vintage uh, Venture better than Venture's doing Venture. And it's good. <laughs> it's really good. Venture kind of sucks now. Sorry, Venture fans. I haven't been a fan of like anything he's done lately. And it doesn't suck. He's a, still a fantastic filmmaker. His movies haven't been my favorites lately. Did you see Gone Girl? I did not like Gone Girl. Really? It looks really pretty, but it's not a very good movie. Okay. Um, and from what I understand, the book's not very good either. Um, uh but good God, this man can like put you in so uh, at such a level of unease, and you just want to take a shower. But he doesn't do anything. It, uh, it's it's he doesn't have to show you what's happening to make your skin crawl. I mean, I, I think back to prisoners, and I think the scene that that really sticks out for me is well, there's two. There's the scene where he's opening the cases, the mm-hmm. large compartments and he's discovering some things in those and i don't want to say any spoilers for prisoners but during the investigation he's opening these plastic containers and you there's so many things that could be in these containers that run Mm -hmm. through your mind and you are so uncomfortable and you feel so uh it's great and the scene when he's there's a bit of a foot chase with some wonderful use of lighting yep um and this this the opening scene and the discovery of what's of what some people are hiding from the um the task force is horrific yeah and it's shot in such a way that you see things that that are i guess you could say gory or whatever but it's not over the top it's just, you feel ugh, there's some there's something about the visuals that they capture in this movie in that opening scene that you instantly are put at unease and you know the kind of people that we're dealing with here and it's he doesn't need to they don't really need to show their hand that much anymore after that because it instantly puts like you're like these are bad people <laughs> like this is this is a very nasty situation for somebody like Emily Blunt, who's who says herself is not into doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. It, this is a very bad situation for her to be in, and and it makes you feel uneasy the rest of the movie. Um, God, he's so good at it; it's just un- unreal. I, I enjoyed the movie from top to bottom. I can't think of anything I didn't like. Um, I I felt like it moved at a brisk pace. I never checked my phone or anything. I felt invested the whole time. Um, it's a, it's weird. It reminds me of a weird blend of like seven meets zero dark 30 meets no country for old men. I know that's very strange, but it feels like all three of those movies kind of sounds like a movie I'd want to see. Absolutely. Yeah. No, definitely check this out. Even go to a theater. You know what I'll say? Go to a theater (laughs) and see it. Even though I just damned theaters to hell for some reason. It is soon. a good theater experience. It's a good theater movie. Yeah, the, the, the sound uh, design is the fantastic. score. The score, oh, the score is great. insane. The score is amazing. Who, who yeah. did that? Who did the score for it this? It was Johan Johansson. Oh yeah, I'm not familiar with Johan. I forget Johansson. what else he's done. Something else. Johan, son of yes, Johan. the score was great. Um, and and just the the shots that that Deacon's capture captures are a lot of the uh, seeing on the big screen. A lot of the aerial photography in this film is really really gorgeous. Good. Yeah. Really good. And aerial photography is overused in movies right now. I feel like it is overused or or it's. Not overused, but um, just boring. 
Yeah, it, they, used it, they use it as it. an establishing shot, and that's that. We're used to that becoming. We're we're used to that just being like here is where the next scene takes place, right. or here is where we're leaving. Right. And this movie uses it to tell story, mm-hmm. and that's my, one of my favorite shots in this movie uh, is during a convoy sequence. Mm. And I have to talk more about that in spoilers, I guess. I don't want to get too much into it, but it it was so cool. Mm. And and the 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 uh you know filmmaker in me was like, holy shit, how many takes did that take to get that exactly right? It was really impressive. I enjoyed the movie very much. Uh it's a very good film. Mm-hmm. Everybody and it's great. I can good, check good all the same boxes that you guys did. Yeah. I did not necessarily enjoy it as much as I enjoyed Prisoners. Not that the two films necessarily need that much comparison. Yeah, they're pretty different. They are, they are pretty different, but in terms of like Denny's career, I think Prisoners still like Prisoners really stuck with me, and I don't feel like this movie did that or is doing that or is going really. To do that. Yeah. Wow. But, um, yeah, it's more up my alley, too. Just my personal kind of the movies I like to watch. So, yeah, for that, it edges us out a little bit if we had to, you know. Yeah, but and but that's not to say that it's not good and that people shouldn't see it because I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't have too much more to say that you guys haven't already said in, in that respect. So I think we'll probably just move it right into spoilers. Let's do it. So we'll be right back after this quick break with Spoiler Terry for Sakari. We've crossed the border through the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Now in Spoiler Terry for Sicario. Nick, you wanted to relate this back to the Christopher Nolan. Oh, yeah. See, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, I one of the the only thing I forgot to mention uh, in regards to what else can get people back in the theaters is make better movies, mm. like make good movies again. All make all the movies good, and people will come see them. <laughs> and there was a uh, I happened to just read this article. Um, there's a Facebook page called No Film School, and it's really cool. It's super informative for people who want to make movies. But even if you're just a fan of movies, and you want to know like how tos. If you like behind the scenes type stuff, just like it on Facebook and just because they publish articles daily, at least one a day, if not two or three. And I'm always reading them because they're always really insightful. They're really, really well written and uh, just fun to read. But they had one about uh, action directing. And there was an article all about how uh, somebody considered the tech noir scene from Terminator 1 a masterclass in action storytelling. This is the scene where Sarah Connor goes to the to the club and she waits there for the police to come. And then Arnold, the Terminator shows up the same time as Kyle Reese. And it's kind of the climax of the first act, which there's already a lot of tension built up. But Denny reminds me of, um, of the article because he's so good at building tension. Mm-hmm. And he does, like Willie said, he doesn't have to show you a ton. He doesn't have to do it too graphically, but he just builds tension through through blocking and act and direction and uh of course good cinematography good music he uses and a lot of movies these days are being sneaky and they're having no score which is cool because then yeah. you get a little more into it but he uses music really well and he he's using all the tools at his disposal to to create these incredibly tense sequences like willie said it reminded me of actually um 
You mentioned a couple of Fincher movies, but Zodiac has oh, uh, a couple scenes of just some basement. really... Basement. Yep. <laughs> That's all you got to say. Holy basement. smokes. <laughs> and uh, he's just like that. He, he can just simply tell you and uh, he can show you and not tell you. And that was actually one of the other things he said in, re- in regards to Benicio's character, like where they, where they took all this dialogue out. They were going to show you and not tell you about a lot about him. And uh, again, just there's so much in, the, in this movie that's so well done. It's so well made and so well directed. So I think uh, it kind of goes back to, to what kind of what Nolan was saying as well. Uh, how do you get people back in theaters? And I think that more movies like this that are genuinely tense or like the conjuring was genuinely scary and that's why tons of people went to see it and why it was so successful and why it it made it onto my top 10 that year and uh you know why people respond to things like john wick and uh um even inception to an extent these action pieces that are real and it's not just a mess of cgi and 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 but even so things that you can only see Visually, I'm not like you can't have somebody in a radio play, for instance, mm-hmm. telling you. Sure, you can't yep. even necessarily like read it off the page. Although I guess if you have a fantastic imagination, maybe you might be able. To and and a great and a great writing and great direction, sure. Yeah, and and acting, but yeah, I think uh, Denny's power of building tension is uh, just phenomenal, and it's so good that uh, there were some scenes that I couldn't I couldn't even tell how I was being fooled, you know. <laughs> I was like, why do I feel so on edge right now? Some scenes I could understand, and I was like, oh, yeah. the, the score is kicking in. Things are mostly in shadow. Like, I got it. But there were some scenes I was like, why am I so on edge right now? And I think the, uh, like, a big part of it is like what I said, the protagonist being so in the dark. It really, when when you're not in the know and she's not in the know, you're like, who who knows what's going on here? Yeah. Only Josh Brolin, and he's not <laughs> talking. So, But uh, the only thing I wanted to say was... Uh, in regards to the aerial photography, like I was saying, the scene where they pile into the convoy and they just, you know it's something important and that's all you know. And you know it's going to get violent. And you yep. keep hearing about they and they're going to try something at the border and she doesn't know what's going on. And the way you see the, the lane get opened up right for them so they can just go right into Mexico and you're like, oh, wow, this is intense. But that that shot that follows the convoy and it goes over them like this and they go under the camera and then it just rises and you see them going through and you're you're seeing the the highway and then it just comes up over that hill and you see Juarez yeah. and you can still see the convoy in the bottom right corner of the screen and my very 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 first thought immediately was like those look like antibodies on the way to go through through like the the circulatory system on the way to go fight something yeah. and i don't know why i thought that and it kind of reminds me of like Koyaanisqatsi in those movies where you see all the time lapses of highways and it looks like veins and it looks like it looks like a nervous system or a circulatory system. And I always thought, uh, you know, like there's the Tron thing where the highways are kind of like circuits and all that, and cities look like computer parts. But more than anything, I think they remind me of like human body functions. Hmm. You see like cars coming in and cars going out, like red blood cells and white blood cells. And then not 15 minutes later in the movie, Benicio says, catching this guy would be like finding a vaccine. Yeah. And I was like, wow. So there's, it was, it had to like, there has, has to be it's one of the intentional things in that this there, is an yeah. infection. This is something that's eating away at the country and at and at communities from the inside out. Because like they say in the opening scene, yeah, he owns a house, but we can't prove it. There's nothing we can do. And she says early on, we're we're not doing anything. We're scratching the surface. We're we're uh I mean they just said like she was just attacking the symptom and not the problem. And relating this idea of crime to like a like an 
infectious disease that's just destroying something was really cool, I thought. Yeah. And uh, accurate. And, and uh, it's just scary how uh, how intense it is and how real. Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> no, I mean, no. Uh, Nick, you're on point, man. What did you guys think about the uh, the thermal cam sequence? Very cool. Liked it a lot. Yeah. Like, actually filmed with thermal cameras, not post-magic. Uh, yeah, it was very cool. I think it, um, I, I wish it hadn't bounced around between night vision and the thermal cam as much. Yeah. I wish it had stuck to the thermal cam, because... We've seen night vision far too many times. I think we've seen thermal cam very often in movies, and I, I wish they would have kind of stuck with that throughout. But it's fine. I that whole the whole sequence in the tunnel is fantastic. Um, speaking of scenes that are really tense, because I honestly <laughs> had no idea what was going to happen at that point. I yeah. mean, there are a lot of people in that scene, and there are a lot of corners, and there are a lot of uh, dangers. And I honestly, I thought. I really, truly thought that, and this movie had put me at such a level of unease that I really thought that they were going to kill off Emily Blunt and her partner. Um, specifically when they make it out the other end of the tunnel, this is after Emily Blunt's character has discovered that Benicio Del Toro's character is going to take off and go get his vigilante justice, and she's not approving of it. And there's the moment when they, they throw down her partner, and he's standing there with the gun to her partner, and then Josh Brolin says in that very creepy smiling like unflappable josh brolin way that he does things in this movie like i wear sandals to work flip-flops to work because fuck it but i'll also kill you you know like like his character's insane um but he sits there and he says you saw something you shouldn't have seen i'm like they're gonna fucking smoke these two right now like they're gonna leave them out here in the fucking all they have to do is say they got killed in the raid yep i really truly thought that was gonna happen i was happy it didn't because i liked both those characters um and then we wouldn't have gotten that baller final scene, which was so good. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So that um that that's a testament to how effective. I, I thought I thought they were goners too. I thought, or, or I thought there was a very real chance that Brolin was tinkering with it in his head. Like, can I do this? Oh, I think he thought about it. Yeah. I don't think that I think that was a thought in his mind at some point. Like, eh, it'd be really easy to yeah, do that. We don't need to jeopardize this right now. Just... We did tell them to turn their safeties off while they were down there. You know, these are capable people. Like and you know what I liked about that, though, is like I'm really I shouldn't say I'm sick of movies like this, but movies where there is a protagonist who's clearly in over their head or they're not they're not completely in the know or they're kind of powerless. And yet they like fight the system anyway, or they try to find some way out of it and they, they end up playing everybody and have some like trump card that gets them out of whatever pickle they're in. Right. Sometimes that can make for a great story. But in movies like this, if that had if that had been how something happened, if Emily Blunt had taken the shot at the end of the movie, or if uh, so she had found some like some dirt on Brolin and used it to get him to not do his thing or whatever, I would have been really annoyed because I just don't think that's the way the world works. And I think this movie painted a a really real depiction of how the world works. There depressing, people, but <laughs> depressing but true. And uh, and I think that there are people who are probably placed in situations like this and. They get used by somebody stronger than them. And it's and it's really interesting how Emily Blunt gets choked out, essentially, by people on both sides. Like, you've got the John Bernthal literally choking her, and then Josh Bowen doing it at the end of the movie, also. Mm-hmm. And I was like, here's the guy she's supposed to trust, the force that saved her from this, and he's doing the exact same thing to her. 
And the image of this woman just being held by her throat with her face against the sand, I was like, this is really brutal. And watching some some poor person with like good intentions who was who was a capable, you know, warrior in her own regard, just being reduced to this like sad little And with strong morals too. I mean, she's the one who's she's the She's the one who's constantly questioning all these decisions. And right. And, 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 you know, she may, and maybe it's a bit of a fault that she didn't look at the big picture. Even if the big picture is bad, uh, she's focused on the detail, which is it a bad thing? Yeah. Is it good that there are people like that who don't think that's acceptable? Yeah. They're what keep, keep the rest of us from turning into monsters, but Sometimes you need the monsters, I think, in order to fight other monsters. And I think that's a paraphrase from a movie. I just don't remember what. But I think you need... Sometimes Godzilla. You need... You need <laughs> yeah, the upcoming Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, Josh Bowen, King of the Monsters. Oh, God. Uh, I want to watch a giant version of this character from Josh Bowen punch and fight Godzilla. 100-foot sandals. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pulls out a flip and throws it at him. Uh, but I, I think that that's, that's also a truth. I think that you do sometimes need the bad people to fight the bad people. And... Uh, I like the movie for challenging me in that way and making me question what I think is right and and making me feel horrified at things and yet making me think that maybe it was the right thing after all. Like I like being challenged in that way. And it's funny because I remember having same vibes after um, A Most Violent Year that the movie is very dark at the end and it's kind of mean and you were really, you really did not like that. I mean, that's the one thing we argued about because I was like, that's kind of the way the world is, I think. And I think that's, that's some truth. And I think a lot of this movie is, is truth. And uh, I'm I'm glad that you liked it so much, but I'm a little surprised because when it ended, I was like, I well, it's funny. That's like the this. one thing that I remember saying to Nicole after we watched it. I was like, Prisoners was still hopeful at the end. This movie wasn't. Correct. And I think that's part of the reason why I didn't like it as much. And that's part of the reason why I think it's actually maybe a little bit better than Prisoners is mm-hmm. Prisoners is a great story and it's an awesome movie. And I generally tend to like a good cop drama more than like a military thing. Yeah. But this this problem is so very real and and so big and my uncle was a cop in the Houston area uh for uh, for years and he used to tell us stories of stuff that and he was probably going easy on us cuz we were kids but he yeah. would tell us some pretty dark stories about things that he saw cuz he was right there near dealing with the same type of scenario and i'm sure he's seen some things that he didn't ever want to talk about again and it's uh, it's pretty scary to think about that how how real some of this stuff is. Yeah, and I think that I, I mean, I question some of that. Whenever you get into CIA territory, it's always hard to be like, is this actually how things operate? For sure. And we're never gonna know. Like, it's just one of those things where most of the time we're not gonna know. There's still stuff that happened a long time ago that we're not gonna know about. However, there's also like different things where. Documents have been declassified, and we learn some of the truth of what happened, and and it looks really bad, but the statute of limitations is gone. Like, to me, what I would love, although that this is a cynical movie, and it looks at the world in a very real light, I think there's still, like, a coda that I don't even necessarily want to see in this movie, but it's something that I personally want and need to believe, is that there's a point in time where... People pay for the fact that they operated outside of the law. Does that happen 100% of the time here, now, in real life? No. Did it need to happen in the movie? No. But 
I don't know. I think it's we're outside of the realm of the movie, but even with the most violent year, it's me thinking like, did I really need to spend two hours to see the bad guys win or get away with what they win, quote unquote? Obviously, he paid a lot to make things happen in the most violent year, but do I need to see another movie that allows the bad guys to win, or should I necess- should we be putting things out into the world that inspire those people that could be the whistleblowers to stand up i don't know but that's neither here nor there and not really focused on the movie itself i do like that it uh i do think that it dealt with these kind of i think real world problems and and a little bit political as well some some of the source material or uh, some of the subject matter but it didn't feel uh like it was really beating me over the head with anything. It didn't feel like it wasn't like preachy. A, yeah. It wasn't preachy, and and I don't even think uh, it was cynical. Like you said, I don't think this movie's cynical at all. I think it it presents something that it thinks is is a truth, and that's that. I don't think it's it's even like a really a pessimistic worldview. I think it just uh, this is what I think, and I just think there's kind of inherent pessimism in the fact that and the idea that we cannot alleviate issues by working within the system yeah and i think well i mean and to be fair and it doesn't happen in this movie obviously but i think that a lot of people like the brolin character it does come around eventually like you know he might be kicking back in his in his uh flip-flops and his hawaiian shirts right now and just taking it easy and making decisions that get people killed left and right without so much as a you know as blinking but uh, at some point, I think a lot of the time these people, not always, sometimes they wind up doing just fine, but some, a lot of the time they wind up, things come back around. It'll catch up. When you live a lifestyle like yeah. that, someone's going to, something's going to happen. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen here, but, um, you know. His character reminded me a lot. I went back and listened a couple of weeks ago because I was looking for things just to listen to. I ran out of podcasts at some point in the week, and I wanted to... Turn my eye to wait, wait, don't tell me, which is the game show that they play on NPR, and they had uh, the CIA guy on. Oh, God damn it! I wish I could remember because it had to do with a movie. Like he he was portrayed in a movie with somebody. But anyway, everything that he was that this guy was saying about being a CIA agent, he was like, "Oh yeah, I had the thirty days of training, then I was jumping out of a helicopter with a machine gun, and blah blah blah." Like, he makes it sound like the most bombastic CIA people are real, and it actually does happen. And that's what Josh Brolin reminded me of in this movie. I kept thinking back to hearing that guy describe his, his how he uh, was dating one of the daughter of, like, an elite KGB person, and he really loved her mother because her mother helped divert a plane so that he could get back to the U.S., like, all these insane stories, and I feel like it's the same kind of stuff that Josh Brolin had going on, which is interesting, but it would be interesting to see if that was any kind of inspiration. But no, I don't know. Sicario's good. Very good. Go check it out. Watch and then have Mexican cuisine afterwards. Yes. Or beforehand. If you can stomach it. Yeah. True. Yes. I think uh things look great though for Denis. I think he's yeah. got a really promising future. Hopefully he'll become a name that is thrown around and buzzed about a little bit more because I feel like people are still going, oh, who's who's that? The film people know who he is, but right. like the he's not a 
you know. Not a household name. Yeah. For better or worse, Blade Runner is probably going to help towards that. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with it now. Yeah. To see how he he can handle he can weave themes into in his films so well and without needing a lot of dialogue to talk about it. I really want to see what he's going to do. Did you watch Enemy at any point? I have not seen it yet. You should. You should. I know. I'd be interested in what you think. Like we're telling you something you'd ever want to <laughs> Yeah. I you should. I want to see it. What's wrong with you? Gotta, What's the movie you've been Got to do one of them VODs, I guess. Uh-huh. Can't go to the theater. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wait 20 years till it's a midnight movie, and then I'll go see it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. All right. Well, since I didn't go over any of it at the beginning of the show, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us. Let us know what you think of the show, the things that we talk about. We're at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We're also Midwest Film Nerds Podcast on Facebook, Vine, iTunes, and Stitcher. And tune in radio as well. Uh, Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com is where you can shop on Amazon and have part of the money that you spend come to us so that we can make our show and network even better. Uh, speaking of the network, Midwest Game Nerds had an episode out this week. We talked about some news, the Battlefront beta, and uh, all kinds of other stuff. We're also giving away... Uh, I The Game Nerds have donated a Retron 5 to Greg Seward's Extra Life um, uh, live stream that he's going to do in November. Greg Seward is of the Player One podcast. He's an awesome guy, and uh, we wanted to help drive some donations to him. So check that out. Search Extra Life Greg Seward. That's S-E-W-A-R-T. He's at S-E-W-A-R-T on Twitter. Uh, go find, go go take a look and uh, yeah, pay attention to his stream. Um, next week, Willie didn't respond. Oh my think. gosh, that's right. There's a text uh, message. I uh, yes, to. let me let me let me pull it up here. I can respond to you right now. Yes, I said uh, pick two. Which of these movies would you like to review next week? Would you want to review next week? Your choices are Goosebumps, Steve Jobs, Crimson Peak, Bridge of Spies, and The Walk. <laughs> You're hearing it here live. Crum. I'm going to go totally, completely different. Bridge of Spies, Goosebumps. All right, Bridge of Spies it is. That's the only movie that you, Nick, and Tim all suggested. There it is. So Bridge of Spies is what we're going to review next week. Uh, I don't know if Nick... I know Nick will want to see Steve Jobs if he gets a chance to see it, and I can do that too. I would probably like to talk about it as well. You can do a Tim-esque plot recap. Yeah. We we could do uh, an early show review of it, but uh, yeah, check back next week. Bridge of Spies, the latest Steven Spielberg film, and I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Alex, why go watch a movie? I. <laughs>